Welcome to Tire Tracks, a Banyan Technology podcast driving the logistics industry. And now your host, Patrick Escolas. Hey, everybody. It's Patrick Escolas for another episode of Banyan Technology's Tire Tracks podcast. Today, I have with me a special guest, Carrie Jablonski, the Trucker Tools CEO. Carrie, thank you very much for being here. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm very glad to be here. Yeah, I've been working with Trucker Tools for about a year with some of my clients. But before we get into that, what I always like to do is start off with, I'm not special here, but you are. And I want to know who you are, where you came from, and how you got into logistics. Great questions. Well, I think you're special for what it's worth. but (laughs) Well, you know, it's different kind of special, but we won't (laughs) go into that. So... My name is Carrie Jablonski, as you mentioned. So I currently, I am physically located in Chicago, where I live. Have you been there forever? So like Jordan Bulls fan or? (laughs) I have not, unfortunately. I'm enough of a Jordan fan and I root for the Bulls. But originally, I'm from Boston. I'm from the East Coast. Okay. Yeah, I've moved around quite a bit since leaving home for college. Lived in D.C. for a while. Nice. Did a stint down in Mexico City for about a year and a half or so. So your Spanish is okay? See. (laughs) <laughs> that's that's all yeah all right good that's all don't ask me anymore no it was good when i was there and it's i mean it's a use it or lose it kind of it's thing. hard when you don't talk it yeah i did yeah. some costa rica yeah. time yep yeah my comprehension's okay still. So i was watching the home run derby last night and it's really cool it was the first time i'd seen an announcer kind of live translating he was interviewing players in spanish and then player would respond in Spanish. And then and you got to test it. yourself. You're like, I got part of that. Exactly. Exactly. And it was the first time I'd ever seen that, which was, I just have to imagine that's going to become more and more of an in-demand skill set for right. journalists. So that was cool. But anyway, so eventually came to Chicago. I've been here for about four years at this point. Moved here originally. I, I went to grad school at Northwestern University. All right. And ended up, that's kind of eventually what brought me. I, I met the owners of my business, Trucker Tools, while I was at Northwestern. And a uh, kind of series of events happened. Basically, I ended up joining the business and Chicago made a lot of sense for me to base myself out of because it is the... It's kind of the heart of logistics everywhere. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. No, that's awesome. And then, so you said you met the Trucker Tools people that you're working with when you were at Northwestern. Were you with Uber before? Yeah. So I can give you just kind of quick career background. So it was a consultant initially out of college and realized pretty quickly I wanted to work in the business or in a business rather than advising a business. Was really interested in mobility, transportation. So joined Uber during the hyper growth phase of the mid 2010s, which was a phenomenal experience. Started in the DC office working on, you know, media operational problems. Like how do we balance marketplaces with incentives? How do we onboard okay. drivers? Those sort of questions. Um, oh yeah. That's a, of, that's a big question with Uber that I, I don't think I have thought to until right now. Like, yeah, it, <laughs> I mean, they've certainly parred back and pricing has evolved a lot there, but when I was there, it was when I was working on that marketplace balance problem in particular, you know, we literally had a pool of money every week that we got to spend on both rider and driver incentives. And we had to figure out how do we create the most successful trips possible using- Which one um, actually brought people into it versus just having happy drivers. Exactly. Exactly. So it's been a while doing that. And then I'd always wanted to work abroad. It had been a dream of mine for a while and had the opportunity with Uber to go international. So I was actually briefly in Indonesia and then lived in Mexico City for about a year and a half working on the Uber Eats, largely a little bit of ride sharing as well, but kind of okay. Latin strategy and planning team. So I never actually worked in Uber Freight, which I think most people assume I have. Um, <laughs> Just putting that out there for the world. 
Did yeah. not, yeah, don't come to you for questions on don't that. Don't come to me with questions about Uber Freight. It, honestly, at that point, I think still to this day, they are pretty siloed within the business where mm-hmm. Eats and Rides talk to each other a lot more. But I was always interested in it, and I left Uber shortly after the company went public, and a lot of folks who I knew and respected went on to work or start trekking, logistics, transportation, freight, what have you, startups. So it was a... It was a space I was really interested in. There was a ton of opportunity. So it was something I was thinking about. Eventually, I kind of moved back to the U.S. to get my MBA. And while I was in business school, I was thinking about how do I want to, you know, make my mark? How do you use this thing that you're spending a lot of money and time getting? <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. And I was really interested in general management programs. Okay. Um, I knew I wanted to work at a growth stage business and wanted to get kind of the biggest opportunity possible put in front of me. And I met the owner of Trucker Tools, Alpine Investors, which is a middle market private equity firm based out in San Francisco. They buy great founder-led, largely bootstrapped businesses. They have a real focus on vertical SaaS. And they just bought this company, Trucker Tools. So went through kind of this you know convoluted matching phase, not convoluted, but this matching process with the private equity firm. And through their, one of the talent programs they run, came to you know this realization that this would be a great fit for me to join the Trucker Tools team right at the beginning of the hold period by... Alpine investors. So joined the business and uh, a couple months after acquisition and have been here ever since. It's been uh, a little over two years now. And that's awesome. And it was a matching period, not a gladiatorial debut, you know. No, I no, it was a, I like to think it was pretty copacetic, but you know, you'll <laughs> obviously have to ask my team for the behind the <laughs> But yeah, it's been a fantastic ride so far. No, and that's awesome. And I appreciate you giving some context and just where you came from and how you got here. Now, And this is an interesting question because here I am in logistics and here you are. What made you interested in? Obviously, you had it for the Uber side of it. And then why the jump to, you know, kind of this large freight on the truck side? Yeah. Yeah. So a couple of thoughts. One is just the size of the opportunity. It is massive. Yeah. I think, you know, transportation, what is it, like 6% of GDP you, or something? You drive anywhere on the highway and how many trucks do you see in a exactly. five-minute stint, you know? A lot of them on I-90 in yeah. Chicago. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, there's a customer, there's a customer, there's a customer. It's hard not to do that. You go, I work with that carrier. I, yeah, it, and yeah. Exactly. I think everyone does it. So I think just when I was thinking about where do I want to be, I certainly wanted to work in a really big opportunity. You know, healthcare, government, both larger, but beyond that, transportation is around as large as it gets. So I thought it was great opportunity. Also a severely kind of under-digitized, under-invested in from a technology perspective. So when I- And that's something I never knew before getting in because I came into a technology company first. And one of the first things is calling and people would be like, doesn't everybody have something like this? And it was like eyes open, peel back. And it's like, no, we're still using Excel spreadsheets or calling somebody once a day. Yeah. Exactly. So- The combination of those two things really made me realize there's a massive opportunity here. And then something that really motivated me at Uber was how we thought about drivers driving on the Uber platform was really a way to create earning opportunities for themselves and for their families and Mm -hmm. was a a gateway for them to achieve the sort of life or, you know, realize opportunities they wouldn't have had without the platform. And that I think about in somewhat of a similar way in trucking and kind of big freight and that, of course, you have the behemoth large brokerages and some really large carriers. But by and large, this is an industry of tons and tons and tons and thousands of small businesses working to scale and grow. So I really was motivated. And big similarities between just, yeah. I, and I, again, you you say it and it's like, duh, hits me in the face that it's very similar and that, you know, you've got this app that can really help you manage your business 
and put it together in a network, but just on a completely different scale of exactly. the industry there. And if that can help you, you know, grow your own earning opportunities, your ability to run an effective business, your ability to win business from your partners, that is deeply motivating to me. That's awesome. And I know that obviously, you know, with Choker Tools, I've talked it up to my clients as we have our partnership. And one of the big ones that makes you guys so viable is that all takes the phone, right? I mean, that's been huge. And one of the other things that's a, a big part that always goes into is kind of the fraud prevention, which kind of seems to be a really big piece. I know the one I hear all the time is double brokering, but what is trucker tools? Because obviously you, as we talked about onboarding for drivers before, even on the Uber side, what are you doing on the trucker tool side to take a part out of the fraud, you know, within the trucker tools application? Yeah. So there's really just a number, a number of things that we're doing. You know, if you think about our business, we've got kind of two core products, load tracking for brokerages and digital freight matching for brokerages. Mm -hmm. And on the carrier side, we've got our mobile app. And on the load tracking side, there's a number of use cases that help prevent fraudulent activity. I think one is just actually knowing where your freight is. It sounds so simple and intuitive, but you would be shocked. And maybe you're not because you talk to brokers all the time, but how many brokerages aren't concerned about tracking all of their freight because shippers don't require it or for whatever, you know, whatever reason, actually tracking all of that freight is critical to preventing fraud because then you can actually understand, you know, what's going wrong when, and that gets into, you know, kind of some of the more tactical features we have on our Mm -hmm. load tracking product that help prevent fraud. Things like, you know, there's one link for one phone number, meaning if when we start a load track, there's one phone number that that is good for. If that load track is attempted to be started by a different phone number, it does not work because uh. something nefarious is going on. We've got a document ta- scanning tool in the mobile app that is geotagged and timestamped, meaning that a broker can require, take a picture of this POD, upload it through our platform, rather than just sending a text message or sending something over email. You can actually see on a map where that photo was taken, when it was taken. There's no way to actually doctor that from the carrier side. There's your proof of life, which stays newspaper right there. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's interesting that just by putting a light on the tracking piece, which is already something that a lot of customers are going to want, just by having that, you're really making it harder to do those fraudulent activities inherently. Yep, exactly. So we've got some other tools, custom geofencing. We're going to be able to give you predictive off route alerts so that if you have a truck and you've moving a load, you've got geofences built and it goes outside of one of those, you're going to get an alert like, hey, something. just check in on this. That's really our goal with our tracking product is to continue to make it more and more of a predictive tool to help you manage exceptions proactively as opposed to retroactively. And then on the digital booking side, we've got a number of tools too. So our digital freight matching marketplace is a little bit different than what you might think of as a traditional load board mm-hmm. in that we are fully integrated with TMSs like Banyan, for example. And what that means is brokers can send us all of their loads and they're going to be real live loads tied one-to-one with their status in the TMS. So if they're uncovered, they will be visible to the set of carriers they want it to be visible to. If it's covered, it is taken off so that you don't have carriers calling on that. You can't just go on there and post a load. What that means is we're creating a really secure, real-time trusted marketplace. So we've got a number of features already live that help um, and kind of really the spirit behind the product is based on kind of trust and transparency and visibility. So I think those all inherently help prevent fraud. And then we've also got some new features coming down the pipe. We've got a carrier validation tool coming out in a couple of months that we're really excited about. So we got a ton of stuff because fraud is a very, very hot topic right now. And within that, why is truckload more susceptible to fraud? Why is it such a question there versus 
parcel or LTL, or maybe it's in those, but the conversation is always generally on the truckload side when it comes up. My take on that is that the barriers to entry in truckload are significantly lower. So it's easier for bad actors to get in. And it is such a large market and it's such a fragmented market like we just talked about. Like when you Mm -hmm. think about LTL, for example, there's what, 20, 30 carriers of real size in that space. So there's just going to be a lot more, you know, you're not going to be working with a new carrier every single day. Whereas in FTL brokerage, very normal to be working with dozens of new carriers every single day, adding hundreds to your network every single week. And therein lies, you know, just a much larger chance that one of those new actors is actually bad. So that's my take on it. No, that sounds right to me. Plus, you know, there's probably when you're doing those deals, you've got that one lump sum cost of the money to be made versus the one shipment, which is always where my thought was. But I, I, a lot of point to just you know, you're going to be working with a lot more carriers within the truckload space. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. And something we talk about all the time is the real way to prevent fraud is by having great relationships with your carriers. And yep. when you're working with, again, thousands of carriers, it is going to be that much more difficult to develop really strong, trusting relationships with all of them. So I think that plays in as well. And I always like that as part of Trucker Tools is that, you know, one part, even with the load board, you're trying to make sure you get your load moved at the price you want. But eventually, you know, a truckload guide likes getting your shipments because you pay on time or they do those lanes. And eventually a true relationship, business relationship forms from what was almost an anonymous low, you know, just, Hey, I need this from point A to point B and I don't care. So I always like that kind of growth and relationship. I'm an, you know, account manager and through relationships is how I, I sell half the time. So it just makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And then you were talking about excited about some things coming up. I know you've got this text to track solution. Is that something that's coming up or something you guys have in play right now? Yeah. So we are launching, it is getting officially released this week. We launched it two weeks ago at Freight Waves in Cleveland. Actually, it was my first time in Cleveland and I loved ah, it. I was very yeah. impressed. Well, you know, we've got a lot of palm trees and beaches. <laughs> well, it was beautiful. I mean, I live right near Lake Michigan, so I love yeah. the Great Lakes. So the views of uh, Lake Erie are phenomenal. And it's just, a. I was very impressed by downtown Cleveland for someone who had never been there before. Well, thank you. I've been here most of my life. And yeah, the Great Lakes have the advantage of no jellyfish. So that's always a big plus. No, Chicago and Cleveland, that's funny because yeah, you're Chicago is definitely the much bigger brother. Yeah, you get to see some similarities when you get downtown there. But yeah, so you guys launched it. What was it a response to? Why did it come about? Tell me a little bit about the process of thinking you needed it and what it's going to be doing once it's here. Definitely. So or I should say now that it's here. Yeah. The way we think about tracking is as a waterfall. So over the last several years, since the ELD mandate, ELD tracking has become more and more of a preference, a table stake for brokers and for many carriers. So brokers want to track via ELD because it is, you know, you set and forget it. You do the integration one time. You have access to the entire fleet, not just a single driver. It is often higher fidelity because you're not going to go through a dead spot for an ELD since you're using mm-hmm. GPS rather than kind of a mobile cell phone. That said, there are plenty of carriers who don't want to use their ELD to track, who might not you know, be underneath the purview of the mandate. There are brokerages that prefer to use mobile tracking for a number of reasons. So mm-hmm. mobile tracking, something that we've been involved in for over a decade now, is also a great way to track. So we've really focused on building those ELD networks for brokers to carriers. And then if that does not, you know, if that's not possible or not a preference, we then moved to mobile tracking. And we realized that while effective, there was still a large pool of carriers who we were unable to track through either of these two methods because they didn't want to download tracking apps because 
their phone wasn't equipped to be doing it. You know, battery life, there's a million considerations. Our app is quite lightweight, so it's usually not an issue of space, but you could just be curmudgeoning like me and just don't want another app because you're like, it's very I got possible. enough. Yeah. It's very possible. We also, we're really focused on cross-border freight right now. And oh, okay. we're certainly live in Mexico. And we have our um, our Spanish app live in the Mexican app store. But we realized there was a big opportunity to capture a lot of freight on the Mexican side of the border if we launched a single instance tracking product through WhatsApp, which is the primary way that nice. Mexican yeah. truck drivers communicate. So all of those ideas, um, you know, we, we talked through them and we realized there's an opportunity to add a Really, it's actually the fourth tracking modality for us versus API, where we're you know right. building API integrations for large fleets and for kind of core fleets for carriers. ELD is really becoming kind of the lead preference for certainly brokers and honestly plenty of carriers as well. Mobile tracking, which has always been really the core of our business, and then there's an opportunity to catch that tail of carriers or drivers who could not track through any of those methods or did not want to through a text-to-track option. And it would allow us to build out a really snazzy WhatsApp feature as well. So that's how the product came to life. It was something we heard about from a number of customers. We saw kind of hacks happening in brokerages already, you know, when things weren't working through a mobile solution, there would be texting. So we figured, why don't we make this easy and tie it into our top-notch TMS integrations already to make it totally automated so that we don't need brokers sending text manually anymore. It's all automatically run through the platform. I like that. Especially like you're listening to your customer base and B, which is always a good one. So you're like, hey, how'd you do that? That sounds like a cool idea. Tell us more about that. We're, we should integrate that into our actual value add there. So exactly. That's what we do here at Banyan. And it's, it's one of those things that you almost take for granted until you're you're looking at other products and you're going, who would use something like that? And then you're like, no, we already know these people want it. They told us and they said, we need an answer to that. So now that's awesome. Excited for you guys on that. And yeah, tracking across the board is the number one thing that anyone's asked about all of the time. And it's nice that Truckload is finally getting some of the, the visibility in a very dark space that it has been in the past. And so Speaking of kind of like where we're going with things, obviously AI is everywhere and, you know, we're on the software side. Do you see AI having, you know, there's obviously there's, I think green screens is out there and then there's probably two or three others that just, you know, I don't know their names yet. I like this is a little future side of things. Where do you see stuff like AI coming into the truckload space? You know, is trucker tools starting to work with it at all? Where Where are you guys at with that? What does your head think of that? Yeah. So something I mentioned earlier was that the truckload space is still early on its curve of digital transformation, digital adoption. So I think chat GPT, mass adoption and and understanding of what LLMs are, you know, Mm -hmm. that all happened in the last year, I think has gotten a lot of folks very excited about AI and the ability for it to transform our space, which I do not doubt. Do everything for us. No. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. We are a long, long, long way, if ever, from that happening. I think it's seems like this happens every few years when something launches, like the broker is going away and the broker is still here. So, and I think (laughs) the pace of adoption being frankly, pretty slow in this space, at least from my experience. Why do you think, and I have asked this to some of my other speakers, why do you think logistics, maybe even truckload itself, why it's so apt to be behind within the technology game or what about it puts it in that position? One, I think it's a very relationship-driven industry and relationships can be moats, honestly. So when you're able to have a real relationship with a business or an entity or whatever. You know, they'll be there every day or you know know that their phone number by heart. Yep. So there's no need to put anything into place. Okay. Exactly. That's my 
and two, it's so fragmented. There are so many different systems. It is so hard to solve for that fragmentation. So I think uh, AI absolutely will impact. Of course, it's going to impact the industry and folks are already using it. I think from our perspective at Trucker Tools, the way we're thinking about it is how, like I mentioned, a predictive exception management. How can we use tools that are emerging right now to get more accurate in the way we predict what's happening out in the, you know, on the open road. So when you're thinking about projecting, you know, okay, we know we lost signal at this point. That's because it's likely, you know, there's bad cell phone reception based on what we know about previous loads that have been hauled to the same area. Therefore, what we can project is that signal is going to return at this time. And that means this will be happening. We'll ping from then. And then you can expect an update, you know, five minutes from that point. Yeah. Like, hey, not like it's dark. Good luck. You know, you got nothing. Exactly. Okay. And then when I think it comes to broker efficiency, when you think about the ultimate, you know, metric for carrier sales teams or credit rate brokerages is loads booked per day per rep. So the more that you can use the tools that are out there today to extract important information from, you know, the massive amount of emails that mm. folks get and distill it into really actionable or prioritize how folks should be running through those. That is the way I see AI impacting this space first. That makes a lot of sense, especially from you're talking about the brokerage on the emails. And I just immediately thought of every time I Google a recipe and it gives you somebody's life story about how grandma used to make something. And you're like, no, I need the three sentences at the end. And I can imagine some broker email catching this 10 page and there's some snippet this small that's the only relevant data in there. So that is interesting. And I think that that you're probably spot on with how that could be used there. And that's not even where I was thinking about it. So this is why I like talking to smart people. So I appreciate that. And more to not just being a smart person and within the logistics industry, you know, you're a woman and within the logistics industry, kind of in the past, been very male dominated. And then I don't want to put a year on it, but growing number of women in logistics. I know I followed literally the women in logistics page and on my, and that's how I learned about logistics as a whole through some of the education pieces they have in there. What's it like for you coming into the industry that's kind of historically male-driven and what kind of impact have women being more involved in the space had on the the industry? Big question. I know, right? Yeah. (laughs) I see it as an opportunity. That is, you know, when you think about my personal motivators, Coming into a male-dominated industry, I want to make a name for myself. I want got to- that chip on your shoulder. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I want to create space for other women. I'm really proud. My executive team is now over 50% female, which is honestly, I think you'd be hard pressed to find another business in this space that has that. So, I think the more I can kind of be the change I want to see in the world and creating space for female leaders, I see it as an opportunity. So. I grew up, I'm the middle of two brothers, so I'm very used to being in male-dominated environments. And They pushed you for it the whole time, whole life, yeah. huh? Yeah. Yeah. So it's an environment I'm comfortable in, and it's motivating to me because I've had some amazing female mentors in my life who have created so much space for me. I've been in, you know, largely female environments that have been so nurturing and so powerful, and I would love to create that space for other women in the industry. So it's really, I just see it as an opportunity and something that motivates me every single day when I show up and lead. And that's, that's awesome. I tell my wife and my mother, I know damn well the superior gender is in my world. And uh, I shut up when they tell me what to do, but no, it's just one of those things that clearly you have a very holistic mindset to what you're doing, not only within the space but with trucker tools, but even going from, Hey, you wanted to be kind of within this, this space, even starting with Uber and then where you are now. And that's, 
as somebody who probably jumped majors a bunch, jumped jobs a bunch, I am kind of blown away by that, you know, making a decision, having a path and really getting after it like you seem to have and just hats off to you for what you've done and where trucker tools is now and how big of a name and player they are in the space in a short period of time, truly. Well, thank you. I, I really appreciate that. And it is a lot easier to, I forget someone said this quote more eloquently than I will butcher it, but it's a lot easier to connect the dots and tell the story looking backwards than forwards. So there are so many other paths, life, who knows, who knows where, you know, things are going to take us, but I really appreciate that. No, and that I appreciate the time that you've talked with me here and I've been doing in a, just for everybody. I have a platform here. I don't know how loud and how widely listened to or seen it is, but if you have a message either from logistics or personal to anyone listening or hearing, what would that be? Here's your time on the soapbox. I mean, you're a CEO, you kind of have that whenever you want it, but here's it on my soapbox. I'm still thinking about the questions you had about the, you know, women in the industry and my recommendation and kind of hope for certainly women in the industry is that they look at, you know, the kind of historically male dominated nature of the business and the industry as an advantage and an opportunity for them. And if you can start to look at, you know, reframe the situation that way, it doesn't mean that it won't be challenging at times. There are things we're going to need to help each other through. But if you can let that serve as a bit of a motivator rather than kind of perpetually, a, this is something I'm working against. I think that has served me very well. Well, there you go. Well, Carrie, thank you much for the time. Everybody, this has been Carrie Jablonski of Trucker Tools, their CEO and fearless leader. And, you know, she's been telling us, you know, use anything hardship as a fire to get it there. And great things. We're excited about Trucker Tools, excited about everything you guys are doing and what's going out there in the truckload space, especially as Banyan is playing more and more to that as we're coming out of our LTL shell a bit. So Carrie, thank you very much for your time today. It was an absolute pleasure. I learned a lot and uh, hopefully I didn't uh, keep you from any other important meetings too long. Not at all. This was a pleasure, Patrick. Thank you. Thank you very much. And to all my listeners, make sure to uh, stay tuned for this exciting episode. And if you're watching at this part, then you already have and keep listening and watching for more and follow the pages. Appreciate it. Thank you. Bye, Carrie. Bye. Thank you for listening to Tire Tracks. Watch for new episodes dropping monthly and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other podcast apps. For more information about Banyan Technology, visit BanyanTechnology.com.